Welcome to The Dreaming. I'm Sasha Smulders. I'm Joe Fulgham. This is The Sandman, issue 48, Brief Lives, chapter 8. Well, let's talk about your prediction. Yeah. So you predicted two kind of things. One was that we would learn what Destruction did when he was gone. Mm -hmm. I think you more kind of predicted that there would be a flashback kind of thing. Um, And we didn't get that, but I'm going to give you points for that because he totally said, I did this and I did that and I did that. So that's absolutely a good prediction. Uh, And you also thought we were going to get the delight turning into delirium story, Mm. but instead we got a kind of new bit of information about despair. Yeah. And like a little more insight into how the endless change. Yeah, a little bit, for so, sure. That's a not pretty good prediction. entirely wrong. No, true. True, true. Well, let's take a look at the cover. Mm-hmm. Much like the uh, others, this has acrylic and color Xeroxography, but it also has cutlery. Those are actual forks on the cover. This cover has gone full Pride Month. <laughs> yeah, it has. Rainbows. Yeah, which I think that plus the lettering of the uh, the subchapter titles there going all askew is all very delirium definitely definitely this is delirium i mean we can see her curled up on the ground yeah journey's end credits for this one we haven't done this in a while neil gaiman writer jill thompson penciler vincent Locke, inker daniel vazo colorist todd klein the letterer dave mckean did the cover karen berger was the editor and shelly bond was the associate editor for this issue and the story opens up with a delightfully delicious looking table full of food that I am so pissed they don't all eat because I want to eat it. <laughs> yeah, right. And that's the thing. Uh, destruction keeps trying to get them to eat. <sighs> Ungrateful. Endless not eating this delicious looking spread of food. Right. <sighs> we need to go for Greek food like ASAP. So I expect you're all wondering why I called you here this evening. That is known as a summation gathering. At least that's what TV Tropes calls it. Okay. They commonly occur at the end of a murder mystery. Mm. It's where, of course, you know, you gather up all of the potential suspects and you explain the murder again, all of the clues that lead to who did it. But you and go through everybody why they had yeah. the reasons to do it. Yeah, you go through a summary of every character in the room and <laughs> yeah. why they did it and then why they didn't do it until yeah. you get to the last person who did do it. Yeah. And then that person pulls a gun on you. Yes, exactly. And you have to wrestle the gun from their hand. I would have got away with it too if it weren't for you darn kids. Mm. I don't. I don't think there's summation. Have they ever done one? I don't know. They probably have. Uh, you know, Scooby-Doo they probably ran have. for a long time, and it's actually a pretty intelligent show. Uh, you know, I haven't watched that new one. That uh, I oh, hear the new really, one's really, really good, good things about that new one. Actually, yeah, I've watched um good the better part of the first season of the new one. It's oh, cool. quite good. Mm, neat. So, is this a murder mystery? I mean, Maybe. we've had some people die. <laughs> I think everything the Endless Touch is a murder mystery at this point. Yeah, I mean, you just let some time pass and stuff will die, so. In panel three, he offers them Retsina. Retsina is a Greek resonated wine, meaning that it's uh, fortified with a resin flavor. In Retsina's case, it's a pine resin. That original flavor originated over 2,000 years ago, said to be from the use of pine resin to seal the wine bottles. And uh, that would keep the wine much, much longer, but it added that distinct flavor to it. Was that for the bottle or the barrels? 
That was the bottle. They didn't use barrels at the time, actually. It was uh, not until the 3rd century AD that Romans started using barrels to make wine. Oh. And that's actually when the pine resin stopped being present in wine flavors. Okay. There's kind of an anecdote. I don't think it's all that true. It's kind of mentioned on the Wikipedia page that uh, it's rumored that the Greeks kept the pine resin in their wine because the Romans kept attacking them and plundering all their wine stocks. And they were like, fuck it, we're just going to make it so they don't like the taste. Hmm. And we'll just get used to it. Okay. I mean, if you like drinking pine sol, then maybe this is for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mmm, pine sol. Wine sol? Wine sol. There you go. Does anybody make pine wine? Can you make wine? I would absolutely try this. Because I can imagine myself liking the piney taste. Oh, you can buy Retina in the liquor stores here. All right. I'm going to have to do that. Okay. All right. <laughs> we'll get some. I'll try it. Mm. I'll have a wine tasting for the patrons. <laughs> yeah. So destruction. Again, he's trying to do creative things. He has spent all day creating this meal and not in the old-fashioned way. As he points out to Dream later on in this page, she's like, look, no, I bought all the things except for some of the stuff that I grew and yeah, put it all together. Yeah, I didn't Please just magic up a meal for you guys. Yeah, it's destruction tying, trying to be creative. Mm. Mm-hmm. We get a little sass from uh, Barnabas because he dug up the chive garden. Yeah, so Barnabas went full doggo and he dug mm-hmm. up, he, he, he buried his bones in the garden and he buried him in the wrong spot. My yeah. dogs always ruined our little garden when I was growing up, but hmm. not by digging up the plants. But um, my dog loved lettuce, but she loved the lettuce right before it was ready to be <laughs> harvested. You know, there's like this moment. Right. Lettuce has a moment. And if you leave okay. it too long, it gets bitter. Okay. But if you get too early, it's not ready. And she would eat it right before the perfect moment. She would just... <laughs> Eat maybe it all it was, up. I'm like, no. Maybe that's the perfect moment for dogs. Yeah, that's the thing. I think she spent so much time in the backyard, more than we did. She knew when the perfect moment was. And she's like, what? You're not going to eat the lettuce? Yeah. I guess I'm going to have to eat it before it gets bitter. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, it's now good. Yeah. Humans are like, we'll wait another day so that we'll be sure. And she's like, my nose knows. My nose knows yeah. when to eat lettuce. <laughs> Dream is not happy about the dog being there, about Barnabas being there. No. So still a little stuffy. He doesn't like dog friends, apparently. No. <laughs> More reasons to hate Dream. And yeah, and Destruction, I love the way Destruction handles this. Dream is like, you know, it's it's not fitting for this uh, dog to be here. And Destruction's like, oh, what does Delirium think? Yeah. <laughs> right? Because he knows, I like to think he knows he's at least got a 50% chance of Barnabas being able to stay. Yeah. Probably a little more because she, she seems to like him. I mean, he's in his own house too. It's his yeah. dog. Yeah. Like, yeah. He doesn't really need to let his little brother push him around. It's a polite way to not let him do that. It's a polite way to not go, no, this is my place. My dog will stay here. Yeah. He, he instead goes, hmm, well. Throughout the whole thing, he's kind of found these interesting ways around saying no to dream. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, I think he's been ready for this for a long time, yeah. this conversation. He's, unlike dream, who has no clue what's going on. Right? <laughs> yeah. Now, there's two ways to take this. Either Barnabas is shocked silent by oh, yeah. by being asked not to talk at all mm-hmm. or dream kind of literally casts a spell on him very well if it is silent then it may stay although it may repeat nothing it hears in this place neither to man nor animal nor any other kind of creature the other yeah so if dream maybe dream does have a power over him and that's why the speech bubble that comes out of his mouth is like a little loading symbol yeah i think so it could either be it yeah it's one of two i i tend to think that dream or perhaps destruction 
went, okay, fine. Somebody, one of the endless there did that and, and like made it so he literally couldn't talk. Or perhaps Barnabas is like, okay, I totally get that these are endless. And when they make those kind of proclamations, I had better shut up. And then for whatever reason afterwards, I mean, I guess maybe even to make Barnabas feel better, mm-hmm. destruction then says, it'll be good for you to sit and listen for a while. And so in doing that, it's like... It, if Dream went and magically made Barnabas be quiet, mm-hmm. Destruction's then saying to Barnabas, I consent to this as well. Like, yeah, yeah. this guy is not coming in and muscling around. I'm also, right? Like, I'm exuding my own power in this space. Mm-hmm. Um, or he's reminding Barnabas that he needs to not say anything after he's been shocked silent. <laughs> yeah. He needs to also not say anything. <laughs> but uh, I'm not sure. You know, I, I think that whole scene could be interpreted a couple different ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could even be Barnabas kind of going, hmm? Hmm? And again, Destruction offers some of his food. I think he's doing this because he's run this in his head a whole bunch of times. Mm. And in his head, he's like, my family will visit me and I will treat them to this food that I've created and that will show them that I'm being creative. Yeah. And they're just like, no, no. It's not that he cares the food's going to waste. It's that he wants to show them what he made. And at no point in this whole story do they give do either of them give a fuck about what he's made? Yeah. You know, they don't look at any of his creations. Yeah. Now, granted, the one creation he tried to get them to partake in is food, and they don't need to eat. But they have eaten before. They can. Yeah. They can join people for a drink. Really, he should invite Death over. I bet Death loves to chow down. Well, he didn't invite any of them. He doesn't want to see any of them. I know, but, but he like, just th- he knew that he couldn't avoid them now. If he was going to make a spread, mm-hmm. he should have invited Death. I bet Death loves to chow down. Yeah. Like, yeah. I bet she love it. The next little story we get here mm-hmm. is of Delirium telling, recapping <laughs> all the previous adventures they've had. Yeah. And throughout it, her appearance appears to change yeah, it lines up exactly with the way that she looked when those things happened. Yeah? Yeah. I like the one especially when her hair's floating. <laughs> yeah. Then Dream said he wouldn't go with me anymore, and I went home and I cried a little bit, but then he said he was sorry, and really he would come with me again because I don't remember something, and that we'd be nice to me, friends. She doesn't remember because he never told her. No, he never explained. No, he just said, okay, let's go. Ugh. <laughs> In panel four there, she says, I had to be, I had to be, it hurt. That's her saying that she had to be non-delirium. She had to become kind of rational in order and, to help dream. And I I just totally love how upset he looks about that. And specifically, that was the moment where Destiny mm-hmm. uh, told Dream who he was going to have to talk to, who the oracle was he was going to have to talk to, and that it was his son, his son, who he has avoided for thousands of years because yeah. he's a deadbeat dad, and also he was terrible to him. And <laughs> and so, yeah, like that's the very, that was the moment that broke dream that required delirium yeah. to force herself into reality. Mm-hmm. And then dream gives an even more succinct summary. As she says, we have been looking for you for some small time now. Because hmm. he knows the details aren't that important. <laughs> And once again, Destruction says, please eat. I've spent most of today cooking for you both. You're endless. What is time to you? Yeah. Like, your brother's asking you to eat. Eat. He wants you to do this little thing. Dream sums up how the family's been doing. Destiny is unchanged. Our older sister, which would be Death. I, do they call her Death ever? 
No, not at any point in this story they'd call her mm. death. Desire is well, desire is desire. I have seen them all recently. And when last I saw despair, she stated she missed you. And this leads into a huge revelation. Poor despair. I remember when first she assumed the mantle of despair. When first she became desire's twin. Delirium points out she doesn't think it was easy for her. And it was the only time one of the endless had been destroyed, that another aspect of one of us had reassumed the position we all had much to adjust to. So the endless can be destroyed. They can die. But then another aspect of the endless assumes their position. Now, I'm a little confused of like, does that mean that in some way despair reincarnated? Or did a piece of desire break off and become despair? Mm. Or did a random entity in the world get pulled in Santa Claus, Tim Allen style into yeah. <laughs> into the story? Like which of those or or another option? That's kind of where I'm 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 very curious, mm -hmm. you know, because part of it, it almost in the way that it's written, it imagines like to become the twin. Maybe that's. Maybe mm. maybe part of maybe part of desire had to split off oh, to yeah. do that, and maybe that's why desire is such an asshole. Yeah, maybe. I think they're twins because they both were born at the same time. Okay, like originally, you know, that whole timeline they've got of when each endless appeared. Mm. I think desire and despair got born at the same time because you can really only despair if you desire something. I guess so. It's a pretty Buddhist uh, belief, I think, mm. that desire is the source of all suffering. I guess that makes sense. Well, if you don't want anything, then it doesn't bother you when you don't have anything. I guess. <laughs> Destruction notes that that's why he didn't just uh, abandon his realm completely. Like, it wouldn't have done for another version of me to have been dumped into the same mess all over again. So if he chose to truly abandon his realm, something else would take over. But I wonder yeah. if, if that means he would say, like, if he chose to kill himself. Yeah, I guess. Or could he choose to not kill himself, but fully abandon his realm so that something else would take over? I, I think he probably, it could be either, yeah. Mm. It seems like he could have left, like, just decided I'm not going to do this anymore and stop being destruction, and then somebody else would. And maybe an aspect of him would still exist, I'm not sure. Mm. But maybe he would die. Maybe that's what would have to happen. Dream uh, accuses him of abandoning his responsibilities and destruction says, so you said 300 years ago, which is the, I haven't changed my mind. Yeah. You are not. That's, that's the sign right there. Yeah, this is, you're not changing my mind. We're just having dinner and talking. Delirium says it hasn't been the same without him, that it used to be better and he used to make everything nice. <laughs> yeah, but he's not changing his mind. Mm. And then he makes a, a joke reference to uh, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz mm. by L. Frank Baum. The scarecrow was seeking a brain, the tin man a heart, and uh, a balloon ride figures prominently in Dorothy's quest to return home. It sure does. Mm -hmm. It fails miserably as well. <laughs> but the balloon ride is how the wizard originally makes it into Oz. That's why he thinks you could ride a balloon out. Oh, okay. That's how he ends up in Oz. He's a human from our world, and he ends up on a balloon. Oh, and he lands in Oz, like he, he leaves our world on a balloon. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure this is how this happens. 
I could li- listeners if I'm wrong write in and tell me but I'm pretty sure this is how the story works he gets on a balloon in our world and he's like um he's not actually a wizard he's like a he's he's a, a flim flam man kind of dude uh and and so he gets on a balloon ends up in Oz and people from our world kind of have power in Oz in a weird way mm-hmm. um and so he becomes the wizard and so then when he figures out that Dorothy is from the same place he's from, that's why he's like, all right, we're going to get in the balloon together and go back to Earth. He doesn't say I'm from Earth, but like hmm. that's where he's from is not Oz. And so that's where they get in the balloon together and they're going to go back. But of course, he ends up flying off in the balloon because it gets the the rope or whatever gets caught. So he goes up into the air and Dorothy's on the balloon. And she's like, oh, no, I'm not with you on the balloon. And that's when Glinda shows up and is like, oh, it's cool. You're wearing the shoes that would take you home this whole time. Oh, Psych. Okay. <laughs> I'm so not familiar with Wizard of Oz. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's it. But if I'm wrong, that's at least that's my version of it. <laughs> Destruction asks them, you came looking for me. You found me. Now what? Delirium says, well, now you're going to come back, right? And everything will be cool. Yeah, we'll be buddies. Yeah. And he says, I see. And you dream. And dream gives most of his reasons. He says, I had other reasons, and that's, of course, that he was hoping he would meet his ex. Mm. And he notes uh, Ruby, who died looking for you. Ruby the driver. Yeah, the driver. It was not just that she should die. And Destruction is a little surprised by this. I've noted before that Dream has changed. When we see those flashback scenes of Dream, he's way more haughty. He, he cares way less about mortals. Yeah, he doesn't care. It seems like his imprisonment really changed him, and... Destruction notes it here. Hmm. I suppose I had vaguely hoped that you had changed, my brother. That you'd noticed that there were other people in the world. That you had begun to see people as other than things that dream. As creatures of stories. Hmm. And dream gets snippety. Of course he does. Yeah. I've never needed you to instruct me on my duties, brother. Now I would hazard less than ever. I still perform my responsibilities, after all. And Destruction notes, looks, things still get created, still exist, are still destroyed. They tear down and they build. Things still change. The only difference is that there's no one running it anymore. Yeah. It's not his responsibility, yeah. which means it's not his burden. Yeah. He's not the one that destroys things. So he says. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Delirium asks where he's been. He's only been on this island, which is uh, just across the water from uh i don't even know if it's across from the water i think it's on the same island just maybe around a bay or something from where orpheus is he helped build a cathedral in new york he fought for pay in africa he worked as a pavement artist in london a street artist in paris he forged cave paintings in a spanish town that needed tourists and has spent a dull decade helping dig the panama canal so mostly creative one thing of being a mercenary there Mm. maybe he was a creative mercenary yeah He offers them baklava for dessert. Baklava is a rich, sweet dessert pastry made of layers of phyllo. And phyllo is a very thin, unleavened dough. And that's filled with chopped nuts and sweetened and held together with syrup or honey. Mm, It's light and flaky. So it's uh, nuts and honey and basically bread that's that's layered together. And then it More kind like of looks like a croissant than bread. Like it's it's very fine. It's yeah, not yeah. Thick sorry, like bread. it's pa- it's pastry, but it's because pastry, but yeah. because you put it all together, it kind of becomes this kind of bread like cake, mm. right? You put these layer layered nuts and honey, layer nuts and honey, layer nuts and honey, and it's all like soaked in the in the syrup and stuff, and it becomes this moist, kind of cakey, bready kind of thing, mm-hmm. very sweet and nutty. 
It is characteristic of the cuisines of the Levant, the Caucasus, the Balkans, Maghreb, and of Central and West Asia. Huh. It's kind of that, it's kind of Eastern Europe, I think. Hmm. Eastern Europe, West Asia. The word baklava is first attested in English in 1650, a borrowing from Ottoman Turkish. Okay. Someone argues that baklava may come from the Mongolian root baila, to tie or wrap up or pile up. Mm. So it, like literally the name means that it's you know piled up food. Yum. You pile the, the, the pastry. Now uh, we find out that when he left, when destruction left, he set some things in place. Mm-hmm. Some things that ultimately has led to the death of a bunch of immortals. Yeah, a bunch of his friends. And that he could not stop that, those things from happening. Once once they got on his trail and they started to follow him, he couldn't stop those deaths from happening mm-hmm. without going back and taking over as destruction again, putting right. on the mantle of destruction. Yeah, and he did not want to do that. No. And he even notes one of them was once his lover. He means Ishtar. But then notes the dream didn't know about her end because uh, if you remember, dream talked to Ishtar and then left and then she did her dance where the whole strip club blew up. Yeah. And that's when she died. So dream had left before that happened. Mm. Nice little catch there by Neil, I think, to go, oh yeah, by the way, you didn't know this. But he did know that they dated. Yes. He recognized her. Yes, he, yeah. He offers Delirium some Greek coffee, tells her not to drink the sludge at the bottom of the cup or the cup. Because he knows her so well. Mm. And uh, finds out the dream talked to Orpheus. The last time I saw him, he reminded me of you, a romantic fool, self-pitying, but with a certain amount of personal charm. That was shortly after his young lady had met with her misfortune, of course. We saw that. That was in the Sandman special number one, The Song of Orpheus. Mm. Dream asks Destruction how he could leave, and Destruction notes how or why. Dream doesn't care. And he notes, and he answers, because there's no such thing as a one-sided coin, because there are two sides to every sky. Now, we've heard this kind of phrasing before. Delirium's lucid moment occurred in issue 47, just the last one, in a section that was called the other side of the coin. Oh. And desire swears by the other side of the sky in number 41. And in issue 44, one of the chapters was called the other side of the sky. Mm. So the other side of the coin seems to be the other side of the endless, which is what destruction is looking for. That's what his answer means, right? He's like, I didn't want to be destruction anymore. I want to be creation. The other side of the sky might also be another reference to Wizard of Oz in that they pass to a different side of the sky. When she's in the tornado, she goes over the rainbow to the other side of the sky. Okay. Might also kind of subtly be a, I mean, you know, since they already made a Wizard of Oz reference, it at least fits. Yeah, yeah, could be. And so destruction then goes through the order mm-hmm. in which they all came through. Yep. Um, so when the universe comes into being, the first there's destiny at the beginning of the universe. Um, before the first living thing exists, death is there. Because you meet her when you're born. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then uh, as soon as the first living thing awoke to life, Mm-hmm. That's when Dream shows up. Yeah. He's like, you tell me nothing new. Now, what's he doing in this middle bottom panel here? Is it a coin in his hand? He's yeah. flipping a coin and then he flips it all the way over. Yeah, the other side of the coin. And he's also uh, putting out one of the candles. Yeah. Let's go outside into the garden. It's a warm night after all. 
in the garden, it's just a beautiful, uh, beautiful two-page spread. Oh, I love this two-page spread so much. It's my new desktop background. Yeah. And if you look closely, you can see uh, the statue. Yeah, we saw it earlier. And I think that it's a goddess statue. I think, yeah, it might be Ishtar. Because while we saw Ishtar in the in the strip club, mm-hmm. like Ishtar, if she is a goddess of love and fertility, um, to a modern understanding, or at least the people who would choose to worship her at that time, where she could get her worship, they would see her with the, a thin, tall dancer's body. Mm-hmm. But back in the day, um, in a culture where being heavier and voluptuous meant you were womanly Mm -hmm. her body would be different and so that might have been at the time that destruction was with her even maybe that's the ishtar that he was with yeah would be this and also he's not very good goddess figure as we've noted sure but i mean you know goddess goddess figures also tended to be often depicted like pregnant women yeah i don't mean he's not very good and that's why she's that shape i mean like it's not actually a very good rendition of one of those kind of things no like it's kind of chunky and a little off and stuff like that so mm. i think you're right that's what he was aiming for <laughs> didn't quite get it i like the stars it's the illusion of permanence i think i mean they're always flaring up and caving in and going out but from here i can pretend i can pretend that things last i can pretend that lives last longer than moments Gods come and gods go. Mortals flicker and flash and fade. Worlds don't last, and stars and galaxies are transient, fleeting things that twinkle like fireflies and vanish into cold and dust. But I can pretend. Pretend or dream? Because stars are flickering out. To him, yeah. To everyone, well, though. Well, to I everyone. Mean, to, to us, you could lie there uh, and look at the stars in the sky and... Sure, you could be looking at the same star that the earliest humans looked at, but at any moment, that star could go out mm-hmm. because it died light years ago so far away. Like, you know, like it's died, it died millennia ago, but it's so far away that it, the light didn't go out until now. Yeah. You know, and so it seems something that seems permanent when you look at the night sky might not even be there anymore. It's just your perception of it. Is different because it seems more permanent. Do neither of you ever s- just sit and remember, just think back on times gone? He's like, do you just sit and think? And Dream doesn't get any of this and asks him again. Mm. And it's really funny that Delirium's like, he told you already, Dream, because there's no such thing as a one-sided coin. And then she's making something, so she asks, does the fur go on before the flesh or after? <laughs> and again, destruction, he handles her so well. He knows Delirium, right? Afterwards, normally, and then well, just moves on. She's working on creation. Yeah. She's like, oh, create? Cool, I'll try that. <laughs> now I don't remember what order things go together. Mm-hmm. And he talks about something that death told him. When you see these uh, frames with the uh, the crystal waterfalls and him wearing that big blue cloak and the mm-hmm. red outfit, uh, that is confirmed by Jill Thompson that that takes place on Krypton before it blew up, Superman's home planet. Mm. Uh, so he's actually wearing Kryptonian gear there. That's a Kryptonian outfit. See, I've never seen a Kryptonian with a beard. I don't know how many of them in the in the old comics ever did, but he's destruction. He wore a beard. But, but the clothes, 
are Kryptonian. Is death is death dressed very Kryptonian? No, no. That's uh, the women didn't wear headbands. Uh, I don't know what those arm warmers are. I don't know what's going on. With oh, all that, she's but... wearing a t-shirt over a turtleneck. Okay, that's clearly what that is. This is a cowl neck turtleneck, and she's got a t-shirt over it. Right. The thing that Death told him is everyone can know everything Destiny knows, and more than that, she said we all not only could know everything, we do. We just tell ourselves we don't to make it all bearable. <laughs> Dream. It sounds unlikely. I get that. I, okay, I get that, like, rationally it is unlikely. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't know all the secrets of the universe in our heads. Sure. But we do know all the... I like the idea that we do know those things, that, like, when we learn something, we're not so much learning it as as remembering it. Like, I understand that as a, like, in a metaphysical sense, like, it makes sense to me, <laughs> even if it's not true. And maybe you could boil it down to just the patterns of our own lives. Mm-hmm. You knew this was what was going to happen to you. You knew when you made that first choice long ago, some small part of you knew that this was happening or knew you were feeling this or knew that this was the path, but you didn't want to know it was that path because mm. it was easier to not know. It was yeah. easier to to say you don't know than to know to, to look at your life from a from this point here and look at it and go I know these things maybe maybe that's my that's just my interpretation of it like at a personal human level as opposed to a we are gods who know everything I think there are way too many ignorant people for this to be anywhere remotely true I guess I just mm. I I do like it in the terms of delirium though especially she's the one who says she is um right kind of not knowing everything is all that makes it okay sometimes I think maybe because we've we've had delirium note that she knows lots of things, even things that aren't in Destiny's book. I think maybe that is true of delirium. That delirium really does know everything, and maybe that's why she's delirium. It's a little like the the general thesis behind the fiction of H.P. Lovecraft, um, mm-hmm. wherein the the physics of the universe. The complexities and physics of the universe we live in are so complicated and dark and disturbing that if you do begin to see at your human mind, if you actually get a peek at what is there, mm-hmm. it will drive you mad. Yeah. Um, and so it, it, in that same sense, mm-hmm. uh, our own human minds do know everything about the universe. We know the dark, disturbing turns. We know every part of it, but we choose to not know it. Uh, in order to protect our own sanity. Yeah. We put blinders up to it. And maybe that has to do with the storytelling thing, like a little bit with how Dream sees everyone as stories. We know how stories work. So Mm -hmm. I know deep down the story of my life, but I choose not to know it to protect my sanity because if I knew the story of my life, maybe it would drive me mad. Hmm. If I chose to acknowledge the story of my life that somehow deep down I know. Maybe it would drive me mad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you think about that? <laughs> the thing that Delirium has been making, wondering if the fur goes on before or after the flesh, you can see it in the bottom left of this page, that bottom left panel. It's a little cartoon aardvark wearing a vest. Uh, that is Cerebus, the title character of a comic book series created by Canadian cartoonist Dave Sim which ran from December 1977 until March 2004. He is an anthropomorphic aardvark who takes on a number of roles throughout the series, barbarian, prime minister, and pope among them. Hmm. Yeah. 
Sim and Gaiman are friends, and uh, Sim has actually parried Gaiman's characters as the clueless. <laughs> well, that's not inaccurate. <laughs> well, especially for Dream, yeah. Right? Dream asks him if he will come back, and Destruction says, of course not. Like, he's not at, at all shown any kind of change from his stance. No. He's, he's very solidly, hi, you're here. Let me explain some things, but no, I'm not coming back. No, I mean, he's pleasantly, I mean, he's pleasantly surprised that Dream has grown a bit, mm-hmm. but he's not, it's not enough to change him. No, oh, yeah. he grew a tiny bit. I guess I'll change my mind. And Dream is like, just, he doesn't get it, but you are of the endless. We... We have responsibilities. You are the embodiment of the destruction. You are of the endless. And destruction goes on about the endless here. Some good stuff. I love it. They're merely patterns. They're ideas. They're wave functions, repeating motifs. They're echoes of darkness and nothing more. And they have no right to play with mortal lives, to order their dreams and desires. He's like, look, we're just an aspect of the universe. Even our existences are brief and bounded. None of us will last longer than this version of the universe. Except death, delirium notes. I guess because most of them are tied to life, they'll die out before the last death. Yeah, so when the last thing dies, nothing will be dreaming anymore. And nothing will be delirious anymore. There there would probably still be destruction for a while, should he have been back or something like that. There would probably have to be. We get the two-sided coin again. A two-sided coin. Destruction is needed. Nothing new can exist without destroying the old. Things are created. They last for some little while, and then they are gone. Empires, cities, poems and people, atoms and worlds. One cannot begin a new dream without abandoning the last. Eh, brother? He makes the lantern that he's brought out flare up. You can see he spreads his hands out and it goes whoomph. And there's light, and then it goes right out as he starts talking about how the endless kind of define their opposites. Death defines life, despair defines hope, desire defines hatred, and destiny defines freedom. And Dream asks, what do I define? And he answers the thing that you kind of thought up very early on in this series, and I had to like swallow my comment, you were so right. Like you were like, It's kind of like Dream kind of is also because of what he is, the things that he isn't is reality, right? So he kind of is reality too. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, that's a very interesting uh, thing that you thought up there, Sasha. That sounds like a real shower thought for me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like this whole issue has been shower thoughts. (laughs) Shower thoughts with Sasha. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But at least we've had this time together. And in the dark, looking at all the stars, they walk back to the house. And Destruction starts to say goodbye to them. He does note that Delirium was always his favorite and says, I trust that when your next change comes, it proves easy on you. Change? Yeah, she's confused. So she's going to change again, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Hmm. Maybe she'll go back to being Delight. I don't know. And he shows him his sigil room. Yeah, his gallery. You can see all their sigils. And he starts to just pack it up, poofs things into smoke. Yeah, he dissolves them with his hand. Yeah. Delirium sigil is here. It's the the whirly colors. But you'll note that when she looks into it, it turns into a mirror. Mm. I kind of like to think that if like this were shot as like a, a good TV show or a movie or something, that it would be the whirly colors. But then as she came into the mirror, the colors would become her. 
Mm-hmm. Like they would swirl around and then as soon as she was there, they'd be her. And as she'd go away, they'd become a swirl again. Mm. That'd be cool. I'd love to see that pulled off. Destruction is just like, I'm just going to go out and do what I'm doing. Life like time is a journey through darkness. I have no idea how long my span shall be. He's going to keep the sword in the pool, but everything else he's going to leave behind and it'll cease to be. And something else he needs to leave behind mm-hmm. is his faithful companion. Yeah, Barnabas. But that's okay, because uh, Barnabas can have a new friend. <laughs> Delirium says, I can't look after a doggy." You misheard him. I get to look after you. Oh. <laughs> Del, Barnabas can be a bit of a pain, and he has no poetry in his soul, but he means well. I resent that remark. Of course you do. Barnabas couldn't survive in the place his destruction's going. No, because he's going to go to space or something. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Can't have a dog in space. Or maybe an entirely different dimension. Who knows? Yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. We're going to the world without dogs, so. He gets some cloth from Dream, and of course it's black because he's the goth brother. Uh, Well, you can't have a black cloth for your bindle sack. (laughs) That's right. So he turns a polka dot. Yep. And he shrinks down his sword, and he shrinks down the, uh, the scrying pool. Is that what that is? He packs them all up in his bindle sack. Mm-hmm. He shakes Dream's hand. And he gives Delirium a hug. Mm-hmm. And a nice little pat goodbye to Barnabas. Ah, mm. <laughs> uh, yes, you'll miss the poetry readings, the paintings, the late night flamenco guitar recitals. That's right. Go on. Try to make me feel better. And then he looks sad. And where is, uh, where is he going to? Oh, out there, somewhere. Up, out. Yeah, Up Out is the name of this chapter. Yeah. Up and Out was also the destination of the Great Glass Elevator at the end of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And at the end of C.S. Lewis's The Last Battle, characters at the destruction of Narnia go further up and further in. It also kind of sounds like something Barbie said when it was like, where are you going? What are you going to do? I'm going out. What are you going to do? Nothing. The kind of thing that kids say all the time. Yeah. But instead it's out and up. And that's what he does. He go. He just kind of steps up into the sky, but there's some kind of little sketchy door that opens up as well. Yeah. Yeah. Great emotional look on his face here. He didn't want to do this, but it's a thing he's got to do, so he's doing it. By the end, it's he's a starburst. Yeah. Yeah, a little star winks out. Because, mm. of course, he's destruction, so it's probably a supernova had to happen. Oh, God. Yeah, he probably does. <laughs> oh, I hadn't thought of that until just now. Mm. So yeah, that was a supernova because of him. Good job. That's why he's sad. Now I got to kill an entire star system to get out of here. So he's really gone? He left 300 years ago. I thought he'd come back to us. I know. Hey, cheer up. That's what I say. Just cheer up, you know? I mean, life's too short. So now what? I don't know. Dream... What are you going to do? I need to return to the temple. Why? I have to kill my son. Boom. <laughs> yeah, right? What a cliffhanger. Now, you can know your version of of the uh of the comic is missing a line. Yeah, I'm missing the I need to go to the temple line in my in my digital copy. That's very odd. Yeah, but in my copy, the trade paperback, yeah. it does have it. Has it right after I don't know, dream, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. That's curious. So if you're missing that line there, that's what it is. After I don't know, dream, what are you going to do? It's I need to return to the temple. Mm. Interesting. And he has to kill a son. He said he owed him a boon. Yeah. So I guess that's what Orpheus wants. Yeah. Okay. So prediction time. What's going to happen next issue? Okay. So check this. Okay. Dream jumps off the island that he's currently on. Mm-hmm. He lands on a speedboat. I don't know why there's a speedboat, but it's definitely a speedboat, not okay. a dinghy. It's a speedboat. Okay. In the back of the speedboat, mm-hmm. it's full of guns. Okay. okay. Just every kind of gun. So he floors it through okay. the water, James Bond style, water shooting up behind the boat. Mm-hmm. He uh, he doesn't just like, <laughs> when he gets to the other island, he don't pull up all nice and park the boat. He crashes the boat into the side of the island mm-hmm. and leaps from the boat onto the cliff face with guns just hanging from his back. He mm-hmm. climbs the cliff face and he rolls over the side and he sees the the kid and he just shoots him up. Bang, 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 bang. Full uh, of lead. Christoph's son? Yeah, kills okay. him. Just kills him. Full okay. of lead. And, uh, and of course, he's out of bullets now from his gun. So he takes Christoph's gun and he goes running towards the place. Uh, and he also kills the other dude. Um Chris- I guess Christoph. Christoph. He kills him too. Yeah. Bang, bang, bang. He's dead. Uh, probably... Probably he was in a tree. Probably he jumped out of a tree to do it. I don't know. Something like that. Okay. He's dead. And then uh, he gets into the temple. Okay? He gets yep. into the temple. Okay. And he sees Orpheus's head mm-hmm. in shadow mm-hmm. on a table. Mm-hmm. And he's like, lights out, motherfucker. <laughs> and he shoots up the head. But it's not Orpheus's head. It's the old man. The old man cut off his own head and put it on the table to protect Orpheus. Where the fuck is Orpheus? Orpheus is up on the ceiling. He's biting a rafter and he drops from the ceiling <laughs> and he lands on Dream and he bites his eyeball out. He's like, and he okay. bites out his eyeball. And that's my prediction. That is quite quite a prediction. Uh, You're welcome. It seems like change is the theme of Brief Lives. Yeah. There's a lot of change going on. And so we're getting maybe, a change in the pace of this comic. I guess the Sandman is turning into a, a balls-to-the-wall action comic. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. That's my prediction okay. right there. That's it. I guess we're going to have to find out next episode. You've been Dreaming of the Sandman, issue 48, Brief Lives, chapter 8. For show notes, visit thedreaming.motivedust.com. Support future episodes at patreon.com slash thedreaming, and we'd sure appreciate it if you'd tell your friends about us. Our theme music is Oneri by Kai Angle. Hear more at kaiangle.bandcamp.com. The Dreaming was recorded in Burnaby, British Columbia, Canada, on the unceded territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, Kikate, and tsleil Nations. I'm Joe Fulgen. Thanks for listening. Time to wake up. <laughs>